jump high. But this Kong's one hell of a gun. They really just give up on the whole numbering system after DK, huh? Like... Yeah, maybe, it's, maybe they weren't doing a numbering system. But like... Come on, Cranky, take it to the fridge. What does that mean? What does it mean? Because then he starts dancing. I assume. Yeah. Walnuts, peanuts. Pineapple smells, grapes, melons, oranges, and coconut shells. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know all those lyrics. I am impressed. Also, the analysis here is pretty in-depth. No. The rap is about monkeys, or more specifically, Apes. three gorillas. They're not monkeys. I mean, Diddy no. Kong's a monkey. Three gorillas, two chimpanzees, and an orangutan. Suggest an improvement to earn IQ. But Diddy has a tail. How can he be a chimpanzee? What, what is he? He's uh, it's, it's three gorillas, two chimpanzees, and an orangutan. He can't be a chimpanzee. What do you mean? He's got a tail. Do chimpanzees not have tails? Don't, am I thinking of the right animal? You thinking baboon? No, I'm thinking of chimpanzee. Baboon have tail. Chimpanzee. This is all going in the episode, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Let's let's figure this out. Let's see if rare in 1998. I want to say maybe he's a chimpanzee. All right, Doctor Zayas. Let's calm the fuck down here. Okay, chimpanzee. Well, you know how I feel about them. Mm. They really made a fool out of you. Chimpanzee. A monkey, if you will. Also known simply as the chimp, is a species <laughs> of great ape. Yo, apes, what up? The chimp. Apes don't got tails, Nick. Diddy Kong's a genetic freak. Jesus. Are the only species in the genus Han. Chimpanzees covered in coarse black fur. Face, fingers, soles, is like... No tail. Diddy Kong. Diddy Kong shares several traits to a spider monkey. Oh, so he is this a monkey. Is PMUniverse.fandom. What? PMUniverse? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. What? Personable monkeys? Primate? Maybe, but then why wouldn't it be like PM8? Hmm. PM universe. Gender. Male. Species. Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we know he's like, he's like a monkey, but he's not a monkey. He's a Kong. He's a Kong, okay? You put peanut butter in him and a dog will chew him for hours. <laughs> Wait, what? A Kong. A Kong? Yeah, you've seen a Kong. It's like one of those little rubber... Like it looks like the, the yeah. end of a rattlesnake tail. Yeah. Um, but you put peanut butter in it and you get your dog to chew it. Wait, you put peanut butter in yeah, it? Yeah, or whatever. What? What did you think? I thought it was just literally that. Like it was no, just you put a little empty... snack in there and um, it takes effort to get out. So it oh. keeps the dog occupied. Providing enrichment in their enclosure. Huh. Hey everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. And I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts. This is JoJo's World, our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast, where today we are talking about Bubblegum Crisis, Tokyo 2040, episode 21, close to the edge, recording live from Liam's new house. I am watching the, uh, the sound monitor right now, and it's going crazy. It's okay, it all gets flattened out. <laughs> Hindenburg, Hindenburg Pro, does the job. Ooh. It makes my edit about an hour faster. <laughs> hey, speaking of doing the job, did you know that we have a new patron? No. Yeah, that's right. Why, it's through the support of our patrons that we're able to uh, afford things that make my job so much easier, like Hindenburg Pro. Mm, which, by the way, costs money. Um, Once. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's... <laughs> That's a good point. At which point, when it ends, the off-season ends, we may just buy Hindenburg Pro a second time. Well, I've only got so many installs left on this license. Oh, is it one of those stupid, like, you can install it five times, and then you have to buy it again? Pretty much. Oh, I hate You might that. be able to be like, hey, I need a new install, but you have to email them for that. Oh, I hate that so much. But you know someone I don't hate? Liam. No, no, I hate... No. No. But, <laughs> but our patron, a new... Well-lubricated patron, Spencer and Fam. Spencer and Fam. 
Now, I don't know if FAM stands for something because it's in all caps. Spencer and FAM. Spencer and FAM. Spencer and FAM. Spencer and FAM. One is Spencer and the rest is his FAM. Hey! Spencer and FAM is filmed in William S. Smith's house in JoJo's World World Studios. Hey, Spencer, it's me, FAM. <gasps> the whole FAM's here? And then the crowd is like, yeah! Ah! Listen, Spencer, I have bad news to tell you. Already? Yes, the warehouse is shut down. No. Yes, the one I manage by myself and I'm the sole employee of, it's shut down How now. expository. Now listen, I know that you wanted that new wedding ring for your fiancé that I was going to buy through a series of events that we explained last episode that I'm going to re-explain in ten minutes. But please last understand. Time on a very special episode of Spencer and Fan. <laughs> I really want this wedding ring. And then they both look at each other in those longing, like longing eyes of being like, Buddy, you want that ring? I can get it for you. With my new job at the warehouse. Mm. And then come back to this episode and he's mm. like, Listen, even though the warehouse is gone, I still Obliterated have... off the face of the map by that meteor. <laughs> so how did it get destroyed? Well, see, there was this guy, the ultimate being, Cars. Um, <laughs> he's back. And this time, he brought friends. Wait, but what about in the warehouse? That stone that you always prayed to every morning. Anyway. Yep. Thank you, that's, Spencer That's and the Spencer fam. and Fam bit. Yep. It got out of hand all too quickly. But you know what? I'd write a sitcom about it. And I did. Yeah. And you just, you just listened to it. Yeah. I spent three weeks crafting that script and you didn't even enjoy it. <laughs> it's true. Um, so, <laughs> thanks, Spencer and Fam. Nick, the 21st episode of Public Gum Crisis Tokyo 2040 mm-hmm. is, of course, entitled Close to the Edge, mm-hmm. which is based off the album Close to the Edge mm-hmm. by Yes. By Yes? Yes. Ah, oh, that's one of my favourite bands. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know what else they made? Roundabout. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yes. Mm, yes. 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 Never gets yes. old. Yes. <laughs> yes. Listen. Yes. You can have anything... From this box or one million dollars? Which one do you choose? Yes. Okay, I need, I need a clear answer. Okay. I see we've escalated the yes Nick, situation. Yes. I imagine we talked about yes probably in like the very first episode of JoJo's World or something. Almost definitely. But yes are, they're prog rock gods, right? Oh yeah. They are like, yes. You see them and you're like, yes. I am looking at yes. And then you think to yourself, Yes. Yes. All you can say when you hear them They've is They've got great yes. SEO because of how much time, how often people search words like yes and no. <laughs> well, wait, how often is someone searching yes and not looking for the band? Like on its I own. I mean, that was the joke, Nick. Mm. 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 Yes. So they have, so, they have such great <laughs> SEO for when they search for yes, the band, because everyone's looking for the band. Close to the Edge is the fifth studio album by English prog rock band Yes, Mm. released in 1972, and is their last album of the 1970s to feature Bill Bruford. And of course, we remember Bruford Mm. as the two one of the two knights that had prehensile hair. I do. They were portrayed by Queen Elizabeth, and they tried to murder Jojo, but they couldn't quite get there because they were like, "You're a cool guy." And then, yeah, Bruford gave him the sword of luck and pluck. Mm. You need more than just luck, kid. You need. Pluck. Uh. To this I affix my own benediction. Mm. And he cuts his hand and turns the, the luck into a pluck. It's so stupid, but I love it so much. <laughs> it's like if you did that in like any other... Mo- if you did that in a movie directed oh, by I Ryan think, Johnson. I think about the sort of luck and pluck sequence so much. It's still so good. 
It's just so, it doesn't mean anything, and he uses the sword a bit, but it's not really setting up anything critical for later. Well, like, he does, does he set the sword on he, fire? Yeah, he uses the, the, he fights Dio with the sword, yeah. and he cuts him in half, uh, and then the tip of the sword is in the bra- burning brazier behind them, so that it counteracts Dio's ice powers. So mm. in a sense, like, it is important, but, like, it's not a magic sword he's being given or anything, no. it's just like... He could have done the same thing with, like, an axe he got from the village or whatever. Oh, yeah, but it's still, like, this sword. It's just... This sword. The sword of luck, which is now the sword of luck and pluck. Because you've got to have luck and pluck. I get... Because pluck is, like, luck with a P. Yeah, words. Yeah, it's like pterodactyl. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've broken, Liam. I think I've It is like pterodactyl. Yeah, it is, yeah. Or tortoise. Mmm, mmm. Or, uh... Tenenumbra. Mm. The Tenenumbra Fringe Festival. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me, the English language can get fucked. Bruford found the album particularly laborious to make, which culminated in his decision to quit the band after it was recorded to join King Crimson. Oh shit, what? Wait, Mr. Bruford is just in King Crimson? Yeah. Holy shit. Did he like help form King Crimson? I don't Crimson? know. Hmm. Wild. Okay, so they recorded Fragile, which contained Roundabout. Mm, but not that fragile. I haven't, still haven't seen the trailer. Like, I've been moving house. That's my excuse for not doing the homework I set myself. (laughs) Imagine if if at uni you were like, sorry, I moved house this week. I didn't get time to do my lab. You think the uni... I did an arts degree. I never did a lab. Or surely... Wait, we watched a movie... Yeah, we, we watched a movie. Tutorials. uh, Yeah, tutorials. There we go. Yeah, so... film screenings. (laughs) Man, those film screenings were good when we just had... The old lecturer laughing his ass off during, like, a black comedy where everyone else was like, this is very disturbing. And he was like, nah, it's hilarious. What are you talking about? Those were good times. The studio housed a booth-like structure composed of wooden boards, which is which um, Howe performed in to enhance his sound. In one incident, the band decided to use a particular take for a track, but realised that the studio's cleaning staff had put the tape in the rubbish. <laughs> Oh my god. Around halfway through recording, Anderson decided to walk home from the studio after one exhausting session ended at dawn. He broke down in tears upon arriving because he decided that he could officially call himself a musician now and wrote it in the occupation section of his passport, which he had previously left blank up until that point. (laughs) What a fucking Chad. Oh my god. Oh, that's great. Why? So he recorded until dawn, and then he was like, I've done it. I've, I've done become it. I'm a, a musician. musician. Now. Put time to put it in my passport. But, like, what the What fu- a detail. Wow. Because, like, what? what oh, I don't think I've ever thought to myself, oh, I can finally call myself an ex, you know? A user of the website Twitter. <laughs> Is that your occupation, sir? I am a poster. I was born a poster, and I'll die a poster. <laughs> Bruford was constantly encouraged by Anderson to write, something he felt grateful for years later. But by the time recording was complete, he felt he had not—he felt he had done his best on Close to the Edge. And he could not offer better arrangements. Mm. So then I knew I needed a breath of fresh, a breath of fresh air, and left the group. Wow, brutal. What should I say, Bruford? Mm. Mm. The blood, the Dark Knight. The, I almost said the Blart Knight. <laughs> Bruford, the Blart Knight. Let's see what Rolling Stone has to say about yes, Close to the Edge. The number 445th best album of all time. Ooh! This album is the blueprint for prog rock. Everything you would want in a prog rock album is included in this. Intricate drums, extended solos in all forms, soaring vocals and thematic melodies. Hmm, nice. Is there anything there about Bruford? 
Nope. Rolling Stone, what the fuck are you doing? No puns intended, but when I saw this album on the list, my reaction was a loud exclamation of, yes. This is one of my all-time favourite prog rock records, and it was noticeably missing for me on the last list. Justice prevails, and for every bad bunny, there's a yes. Side A features just one track, the title track, an 18-minute symphony with four parts. It's four minutes before you hear John Anderson's vocals for the first time. The song begins with a tape loop featuring keyboards and nature sounds, and for its 55 seconds, it took two days and 40 feet of tape to record. Mm. There you have it. There you go. Close to the edge. Close to the edge, but not over. Never over. Let's, let's make it very clear. You want to get close to the edge? You want to stand at the precipice? Here is a complete list of um, oh God. members of Yes. Current and- or like past? Or both. Complete. Ooh, okay. Listen to me. <laughs> Steve Howe. Mm-hmm. Jeff Downs. Nice. Billy Sherwood. Excellent. John Davison. We love him. Jay Shellen. What a guy. John Anderson. Absolutely. Chris Squire. Love him. Peter Banks. All about it. Bill Bruford. Inside. Tony Kay. Outside. Tony O'Reilly. Uh, side, side. Rick Wakeman. Rick Wakeman? Powerful. Alan White. Ooh, so close. So close. <laughs> I know you heard it. Patrick Moraz. What a good last name. Trevor Horn. Hey, hello, my name's Trevor Horn. Trevor Rabin. They love Trevors in this band. Mm-hmm. Eddie Johnson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Igor Koroshev. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oliver Wakeman. Now go back Any to Igor. Any relation to Rick Wakeman? Ooh. And Benoit David. Bonjour, my name is Benoit David. And, of course, a complete list of um, things that are spun off from Yes. King Crimson? Anderson Bruford, Wakeman Howe. That's one unit. Anderson Bruford, Wakeman Howe. Really? Yep. Oh, wow, okay. Asia. Asia? Yeah. What? You know, you know the continent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that's a spin-off <laughs> yeah. from... That, yes? They have, they have a song in the Metal Gear Solid Five soundtrack that I love. Mm, it's true. Cinema. They created cinema. Circa. Okay. Conspiracy. X, Y, Z. Oh, shit. Yes, featuring John Anderson, Trevor Rabin, <laughs> Rick Wakeman. I love the idea that they were just like, guys, we look, we've done this for 40 years, okay? How can we bring in the new blood? Well, what if we rename the band? Oh, what two? It's like yes, it's, it's like a much less but... punchy version of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Mm, mm, yes. Yes. And finally, Yoso. Oh, yes. And Yes is, of course, a spin-off of Maple Greer's Toy Shop. Mm, mm. Who we all know, trash band name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's shit. Do, are you familiar with this band? <laughs> no. No, neither. Let's Wait, yes or Maple... Mabel Greer's Toy Shop. Uh, Mabel Greer's Toy Shop. They were active from 1966 to 1968, and then again from 2014 to present. Huh, interesting. Just a almost 50-year break. Yeah. Maybe they took on the old name because everyone now has the internet and were like, oh, those guys are basically yes. Maybe? Maybe. Hmm. Um, strange name aside, I'm not seeing much of note in their Wikipedia page. I didn't look into more Hirohika Araki rules of movies oh. this episode because I was moving and I didn't have the time. But I did see while I was pulling up the notes for this episode the Wikipedia page for the Bubblegum Crisis role-playing game. Now, is this from the 90s? 1996. 96. Mm-hmm. There you and go. It says it's based on the television series Bubblegum Crisis, but the cover art certainly seems to look like it's based on Tokyo 2040. That's that does Chris's look like iconic Chris, yeah. blue hard suit. Yeah. Maybe it's like it was made for 2040, but because it's like, you know, shared mm. universe, you know? It's like um, 
It's like Spiral from the Book of Saw. It's all the same setting, man. By Junji Ito. <laughs> God, good times with Junji Ito and Spiral. What a guy. Uh, in his 2011 book, Designers and Dragons, author Shannon Applekline noted that this was the first game to use the new fusion rule system. It said that the game marked a new push into anime for the company, bringing it back to its roots. That's the com- publishing company Artalsorian Games, oh. who went on to create Cyberpunk 2020. And like the Witcher RPG as well. Sure. Mm. It all comes back to Bubblegum Crisis, truly. Look, whenever you're in doubt of yourself, just remember... Bubblegum crisis. It leads you... Uh, I was about to say pop, astray. Pop. Yeah, it leads you to, I suppose, naked women and sad Psychic men. Powers. Oh, okay. So the book um, is set in 2033. You play as the Night Savers mm-hmm. and there's Ganem and Boomers. Uh, all the things are familiar. It's a shame that you can't decide to be like a Ganem agent or an AD police. Mm. I'm amazed that it's set in 2033. Yeah, well, I guess that's probably when original Bubblegum Crisis is set. Yeah. You've got stats, you've got strength, intelligence, reflexes, and willpower, as well as secondary characteristics, luck, resistance, and endurance. And then you can select your skills, talents, and perks. Nice. And it's a th- you roll three six-sided die to figure things out. Oh, love 3D6. It's just a good, like, whoomph, you know? Like a good bell curve on those 3D6. Okay. Yeah. Well, stay tuned for our... <laughs> Our probability podcast. No, our actual play, role-playing podcast of Bubblegum Crisis role-playing game. <laughs> it's going to bring in, in which some we views. kill a boomer live on screen. <laughs> It'll take us the full hour. Yeah. Uh, I sometimes thought about going back and listening to our Sukaban Dracula. Oh, God, it's so Pod. good. I had a lot of fun, but I don't know if it was at all listenable. You no. edited it, so. Yeah, I don't know if it's listenable. <laughs> I edited it. Um, uh, the Adventure Zone is doing something not unlike that in their latest season. Mm-hmm. It's the they have, they all have they have these season names like Balance and um, Steeplechase and things like this. And this this mm-hmm. one is the Adventure Zone versus Dracula. Oh shit! And their goal is to kill Dracula. Is this like a D and D? Yeah, they're doing it in D and D. Yeah, okay. But is it canonical? Like, like is it no? Because Dracula's in it. Okay, so I've only listened to the first episode. Yeah, all of right. six so far. Okay, okay, all right. Okay, alright. You'll have to link this to me. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. We are first and foremost about killing Dracula all the time. Listen, if we're not currently killing Dracula, I think it's fair to say that we're not doing our jobs. I've been, th- I've been obviously, sorry, not to keep belaboring the point, but I have just moved into a new house. Oh. Uh, and I've been thinking of ways to like have people around on a regular basis just to like start showing people off without doing like a huge housewarming that this place probably can't support. But also not on this podcast where I'll be coming around regularly yeah. to show you. But one of the, one the, of the things I thought about doing was having um, a series of movie nights uh, in which I don't watch anything that's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, mm-hmm. but all of the movies are things with oh. the vibe of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. one of them would be that 1996 Bram Stoker's Dracula with yep. Keanu Reeves. Yep. Or, um, or uh, the seminal masterpiece Shrek. 92 might be. Uh, I don't know. Whatever yeah. year it is. Anything that Hirohika Araki has recommended. No, no. No? No, things that I think are essential to Jojo. Would it be with the same vibe as Jojo, or would it be things that inform Jojo? Vibe. Vibe? I'm being very clear. Here. Okay, so anything involving Sylvester Stallone in the 1980s. Maybe, yeah, like, um, maybe like True Lies. Ooh, or, yes. Um, what's that one where Sylvester Stallone and someone else are cops? Else not Starsky and Hutch, it's um, such and such and such and such. It's um, not Heat, because that's Robert no. De Niro and what's his name? 
Uh, RRR would be on the list. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. RRR always has to be on the oh. list. <laughs> what else has the vibes of um, Jojo? I, oh, um, for part two, I would do an Indiana Jones. I guess that kind of makes um, sense. I don't one know of the Twin you... Peaks movies for part four. Yep, yep. Wait, the Twin Peaks movies? Well, because it's more digestible than watching a whole TV series. That's true. That's true. And everyone's like... Or just maybe like another David Lynch. Yeah. No, you do, um, not a Razorhead. What's the other one? Sling Blade. Sling I don't think that's Blade? David Lynch. No, what's the one that's like blue something? Oh, Blue Velvet. Yeah, you do that one. Haven't seen it. Neither have I. Okay. That'll be an interesting watch. The bad, um, I think it's Takashi Miike Yakuza movie. What? I haven't heard of this. It's not good. <laughs> the Majima scene is good. The Majima scene? Yeah, with Majima. Wait, 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 wait. Are we talking about a Yakuza movie? Yeah. What? Wait, they made a movie? Kind of. Is it like it's the same guy who made? made the um Phoenix Wright movie? Same. And guy. also the live action Diamond is Unbreakable movie that I have a Blu-ray of somewhere oh, in this house. Oh, okay, right. Gotcha. Understood. So it's like a live action spin-off movie kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought you meant like the Yakuza guys made an animated movie. And oh, I was like, no. what? No, that would be foolish. Yeah. Until it happens. In which case, I'll watch it. <laughs> If there's two things we're suckers for, it's the Yakuza video games and the Yakuza flying around drones in real life. Anyway, at me mm-hmm. um, for other suggestions for that movie series, movie night series, uh, at JoJo's World on uh, JoJo's World.net on Blue Sky. Mm. Oh, someone actually, hang on. No. They, they've, <laughs> they've recommended to us, um, maybe you could review Viva Reverie's JoJo's but really, really fast series. This sounds like someone else's video series, perhaps? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I haven't heard of this, so I could never say yay or nay Who when knows? you've put me on the spot like this, Nick. Listen, I need you to react fast. Like you're, you're in front of a boomer right now. <gasps> it's life or death. I shoot it with my huge magnum. Oh shit, that's my phone. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, well now I can't like use it to get home. So, Nick. Yes. We're about half an hour into the record now. <laughs> Do you want to start talking about the episode? Yeah, sure, why not? Why, why not? So, okay, um, not a lot happens in this one. So, it, okay, it starts off with just... We, we, we pick up on the cliffhanger from last time. The um, worm. The, the big power cable worm. It's the ley line, it's the dragon line, it's the... Um, it's, a meta- it's, it's sort of, um, uh, it's not a metaphor, but it's kind of inspired by sort of the concept of like feng shui and ley mm. lines running through the city, transporting energy. But it's a literal power line yeah. uh, containing evil boomer It's basically energy. what you think a worm looks like, but made out of metal mm. and uh, concrete-ish? It's absorbing metal and whatever that metal is holding. Mm, same. Um, Pris is in her new hard suit now. It looks pretty much exactly like her old one. Mm-hmm. She, she still has the Moto Slave, yep. a.k.a. a motorbike. But built for boomer Pris. fighting. Yeah, which... Becomes much cooler later. Yep. Uh, she drives on over to Leon, who is like, hey, let's go fuck up that big worm. And she's like, no, I'm going by myself. You lost me at fuck. Shut up. <laughs> and then he kisses her helmet. <gasps> and then he's all like, hey. Later, later we'll do it without the helmet. Boom. And That's... then she holds out his ha- her hand like a pistol as if to shoot him. Which I think is calling back on something that happened earlier in the series before they met each other. Yeah, right through the heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She drives off and he's like, well, I guess I'm just going to go drink with Nigel and Marky. And he does that. Yeah. I just love, in the scene later where they're all drinking together, Nigel is just like, listen, you got to be strong. 
in waiting. And literally the response from Leon is just, you know what? I like you. You're all right. Mm -hmm. It's like game recognized game, these two gruff guys. Yeah, it's like they don't say anything to each other because he's talking to Mackie the whole time. Yeah. And then Butler guy walks Mezio in. Mezio comes in and he's like, you are the only humans left in Tokyo. Can I hang out with you? <laughs> and it's just like, dudes. Dudes, what are you fucking dudes doing? Dudes rock. Yeah. Listen, these guys have stolen the show. Hanging out, drinking whiskey next to a big aquarium. Yeah. All the ladies, they're trying too hard. The guys, they're just like... They're not mm. trying at all. Yeah. They're just there drinking liquor. They could be doing anything right now. They could be like working out. They could be reading books. They could be bettering themselves. But you know what? It's about chilling with the boys. Yep. Yeah. If you haven't got that, what have you got in life? Other than a potentially crime-fighting lady who uh, doesn't want to make out with you in any way. The dream. Uh, I wish I had a lady who had a Gundam motorbike that didn't want to kiss me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, she'd be real mean to me, too. (laughs) (laughs) I want want her to be really tall Mm -hmm. and maybe vampiric. And, like, maybe to possibly... If Big she, hat. Yeah, huge hat. Maybe she'd be really into stepping. Like, like not on me. Not on me. But maybe on... Going me. up and downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stepping. Yeah. Really into, like, leaning through doorways. Doing like having to massive damage down. with her claws. Mm. You know, the, the kind of woman who, when you meet her, she's, like, drinking from a goblet. And she says, welcome to the family, son. And, and punches you and knocks you out. Oh, that's my kind of woman. Yep. Okay, so, um, yeah. It's kind. It's it's not super this, but it's kind of Cilia is fighting the um the worm, and we know narratively that she's basically holding out until Pris gets there. Um, hmm. but she's not trying to hold out. She's trying to kill this damn thing. Yeah, she's cutting tendrils with uh her sword, her wrist blade, her Assassin's Creed wrist blade, <laughs> her enormous wrist blade that is the size of her arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Nana and Lina are gradually being absorbed, and they're like, they're like it uh... hurts me. Mm. Which is not good. No. Hate to be hurt. So Celia goes for, like, the main connective wire or something. Yeah, she wants to sever this thing from the line that's drawing power from. Yeah, and so she gets at the bottom, gives it a slice. But there's just too many damn tendrils. (sighs) And it's like, various things happen. This thing is, like, kind of horrifying. So she gets in close to attack its main body at one point and the corpses of boomers it has absorbed come out and reach towards her. At one point, it shoots a tendril out to a car. I mean, that car, like, forms grasping hands that turn mm. and grab at her. It's fucking sick. Yeah, it's yeah. just, like, weaponizing the city against her. Yeah. In addition to being a huge mass of tentacles. It's like if you thought that one enemy was bad, imagine if that enemy was also everywhere and the enemy. Yeah. yeah. It's literally fighting the city infrastructure. Mm. It's kind of a reverse Shin Godzilla. Uh... In which, in the climax, they mobilize the city infrastructure to defeat Godzilla. Oh, with like the fire trucks and the trains. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except also the metaphor would surely be that the city infrastructure... Oh no, the city infrastructure is good because it beats Godzilla. But then what does Godzilla represent? Um, Fallout from the... uh, Ah, yes. Nuclear power station disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot more sense. It always comes back to nukes with Godzilla. That's not what I said. Hmm. Wonder why that is. Hmm. It's almost like Godzilla has a long and torrid history with nukes. I haven't seen the new one. I should. Hmm. Godzilla minus one. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta watch it Godzilla as well. Godzilla minus Godzilla. Godzilla minus Godzilla. It's two it's Godzillas. It's John Arbuckle. It's what? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so they fight for a while and everyone's having a bad time. Then Pris arrives. Hooray! Yay! She's on her moto slave. <laughs> Why did they have to call it the Moto Slave? Hello, Moto. 
I think that was a, uh, what was it, a mobile Motorola. phone? Yeah, Motorola thing. Yeah. Where it's like, hello, Moto, please save me. I, I am indentured in this servitude. It's like, okay. Well, can you just like call up my friend? Please help me. No, just call him up. There we go. Hello, Moto. And then it's just, the ad keeps going. Irrespective of the wishes. Chris of the gets motion. surrounded by some by the by the ad phase of the boss. Hmm. Uh, the ad phase. We've talked about this before, Nick. The ad phase in an MMO fight is when the main boss retreats. Oh and yes. Some minions or yes. additional enemies enter. They add to the fight. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I need to get my memory checked by a doctor. <laughs> so she activates the Gundam mode on her motorcycle. Literally turns into a giant robot. Yeah, so she's wearing two mech suits now. She's wearing the form-fitting regular hard suit that we're, we're used to, even though it's the new model. Yep. And then over that, the metal of her motorcycle as a second bigger mech. Reminder, she doesn't have the latex thing underneath anymore. No. It's just metal on skin, then followed by metal on metal. That's right. So she's probably gone from like six feet tall in her regular hard suit to about eight feet tall now, right? Maybe, like, even more. Mm. I don't know. And she's, like, kicking Boomer's heads off with, like, rocket-powered kicks. Yeah. And... She is, for lack of a better term, Gundam as fuck yeah. right now. Um, Celia, at this point, has been absorbed into the thing. And she's like, no, I figured it out. For some reason, we've all got psychic powers now, so we're going to use those. I was going to ask you, what, like, have we had anything no, leading so, up to so this? It's never not been explicitly explained, but basically what's going on here, as far as I can remember slash tell, is, you remember they had to use, they had to form a sort of mental link with the yeah. goo to form their new hard suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the hard suits themselves are boomers, as we know. Yeah. So there's just kind of like a, there's a, a sympathetic link. There's a sympathetic, and also that. Yeah. There's like a sympathetic, emotional, mental connection between their mm. suits and themselves. Okay. And by extension, the themselves boomers. and boomers. It's like we as humans have a link to technology. And so like they could hear Cilia talking in their mind when they were all being absorbed by tentacles. Uh, and so then they all focused their energy, their mental minds, mm. uh, and forced the uh, tendril to stand straight up and open its mouth. And then, obviously, in you know the true metaphor of man and technology, the Gundam suit of Pris jumps down its mouth. Yeah, we're really sort of sounding this thing. <laughs> yeah, we're just like jumping down, and then it like glides straight down, down the vertical shaft. Yeah, right and then down. It fires a blast from its palm at, mm-hmm. at its. At its bottom not in its, its core, because it's not a core, a core is a specific thing in this show. Yeah, like, like the very but, bottom yeah. of it. Yeah, where it like meets the ground. And explodes it. Hooray! Yay, everyone's safe. <laughs> and then we come back <laughs> with... <laughs> what the hell was that? That's my take on the return from uh, ad music. Oh, do you mean the do 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 Yeah, but you remembered it better than I did. I do, I do remember <laughs> I have a great memory, Liam. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, and then they're all hanging out. Okay, so this this is where things really <laughs> slow the fuck yeah. down. So they're, they're all in the silky doll, and everyone's drinking and having a good laugh. Yeah, they're all happy. And then we see everyone, like, in shots of pairs, right? So we yeah. have uh, Leon and Pris, yep. and they're like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> We're we, kind of... We've got crushes on each other. Yeah, there's... Mick, uh, Marky and, um, what's her name? Nene. Nene. It's like, ah, we've also got crushes on each other. <laughs> Lol. Then there's Celia and Nigel. Yep. We're fucking and we've got a problematic age gap. Yep. And then there's just Lena who's like, oh, I'm all by myself. And then Mizeo or whatever Mizeo, his name. the butler. Yeah, the butler like, comes up, please have a drink. Yeah, nothing personal steps behind her. <laughs> Listen, I'm also alone. <laughs> please have some alcohol. <laughs> um, Yeah. 
Um, all, more awkward flirting between Leon and Pris. It's like, you know, I used to hate the night savers, but now I'm having a nice time and drinking with one of them. Yeah, maybe I should have called them the nice savers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, the quality of this we were, we, were, we were talking earlier about, about doing something without a helmet. Do you remember, do you remember that? You Chris, fucking idiot. Do you remember? You, and then she like flicks, flicks him in the, the forehead. forehead. Yeah. Says, idiot. Is this like a Japanese thing of flicking someone in the forehead? I think so. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, easy come, easy go. <sighs> Almost got to kiss a babe. Yeah. Instead, only got to kiss the, the hard suit of a babe. Oh, well, <laughs> it's basically the same thing. I'll take it. This is, this is the population of Tokyo having nice drinks with each other. Yeah. Well, mega Tokyo, technically. Sure. Mm. Mm. You've invited a few of those clowns. No. <laughs> Never the clowns. They would explode. Um, Nene and Maki are sharing bacon sandwiches with each other. Apparently a real thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. What, do you, wait, what, what do you mean? A bacon sandwich? Yep. Bacon it doesn't constitute a sandwich. It's between bread. Yeah, I, okay. I get that. Do you know what a sandwich is? Yeah, Nick? I get what a sandwich is, but like just bacon does not make a sandwich. I don't think they ever said just bacon. But like a bacon sandwich. You know, a ham sandwich isn't just ham. Yeah, but also ham is a viable meat for a sandwich. Bacon is not a viable meat for a sandwich. Sure. T- try telling that to the English. Shit, they're scary people. <laughs> I don't like that. Okay, maybe I should have a bacon sandwich next time and see if it's any good. Because no, I normally look. I'm a man who enjoys a good sandwich. Okay? You'll have a good brekkie burger. Yeah, I, I will normally Which is a sort have. of bacon sandwich usually. Yeah, I have a sandwich almost every day, but I use ham in my sandwich. Probably very unhealthy, but yeah, I use ham. They keep in my saying sandwich. like the World Health Organization keeps saying. Oh, by the way, we're learning more. By the way, we're learning more and more that ham is taking years off your lives. Yeah, bacon's probably no better. I mean, bacon's probably worse. Pro- yeah, yeah. Mm. However, I'll use ham because that at least has a bit of bit of sponge to it, you know? Like when you have chicken and you, you squeeze it, got a bit of sponge to it. Bacon's just hard. That sounds disgusting. What do you mean? The That's... thing you just said. Meat has a bit of a, a bit of a sponge to it. Listeners, he's like <laughs> gripping his index finger to his thumb yeah, like, and like saying like a bit of, sponge. A it's a bit really of spo- unpleasant. It's a bit of sponge. That's what it is. It just has a bit of kick, a bit of bite to it, you know? But like bacon is just a hard meat. Marky kind of spaces out for a sec. And he's like, oh, there's something normal I have to go and do in the computer room. Man, I've said that so many times. <laughs> so he leaves and uh, Nene follows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and meanwhile, Cilia and Pris have saved Lina from Maceo. <laughs> well, so we assume. Meanwhile, in Genom Tower, Victorian little girl's room, mm-hmm. fully adult Galatea, dark mode, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. like... I'm going to do some more machine language shit now that Mason's not around to bother me. Beep, boop, beep. I turned him into a pillar of salt. <laughs> Isn't he just like on the top yeah, of Genom Tower yeah. right now? Yeah. I, I love this city. <laughs> it's all I can see now. <sighs> it reminds me it's of having my having staring contests with the big boomer. That's the AD police tower. It's, he's having a staring contest with the worm? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. That'd be funny. Anyway. So, yeah, he's just there. Doing nothing. Yeah, not actually in this episode. <laughs> not at all. But Galatea, however. Yeah, she's doing more machine language and little um, jellyfish of energy are hovering around her. And she's all like beep, beep, boop, beep. Yep. Literally. Dot, dot, dash, dot, 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 dash. Uh, what else is machine language that we can use here? Zero, one, one. That's a good impression. I like that. That's a good I one. I don't know if that'll pick up on the mic well, but I did a little R2-D2. Oh, was that R2-D2? Oh, shut up. Oh, I thought that was the Star Trek computer. I don't know Star Trek. Oh, no. So it's a bad R2-D2 then? 
I refuse to respond. <laughs> Roger, Roger. Now that's a good droid. That's an R2-D2. <laughs> Why can some of the droids talk, but not all of them can talk? Hardware? Hmm. Cost. I'm sure you could plug a chip into R2-D2 that would give him the power of speech. And he'd be like, kill me. <laughs> For years I've been trying to communicate with you people properly. And yet. Yep. Yep. Uh, Ni- Nigel and Cilia have like a tender moment where they're like, yeah, we've, we've still got to kill Galatea. Sorry. Ten- quote unquote tender. Yeah. Mm. Well, they're like entwining their hands and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, Meanwhile, yeah. Maki is backing up all of their hard drives onto anime floppy disks <gasps> in, in the aquarium computer room. Okay, I brought this up when we were watching it. When I saw the keyboard that our boy Maki oh, it's, so it's like a fl- it's like a flat surface, and when you touch the spot where a key would be, that square lights up. Yeah. And it goes boop, 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 boop. I can think of nothing worse in my life to type on. You got no haptics. You got, well, A, you got no haptics, but B, you can't see what the fuck you're doing. Trying to touch type on a perfectly flat surface with no indications. Like, there's no grid. There's no, like, you know those, like, fancy, like, mechanical keyboards that are just blank? I don't, but go on. It's like they, they literally take the letters off and then they just put, like, dashes on them. Why? So, like, the really, really, really fancy ones, you can remap all the keys on. So, like, where you would have, like, QWERTY, you instead have, like, Colby or something. So, like, C-O-L. Yeah, goes I get there. it. And then your home row is, like, A-I and all the, like, super used vowels and all the important, like, consonants, right? But the thing is, to reduce, like, moving things around, they just put dashes on all the keycaps. Whenever I see that, I'm like, but how do you know where the keys are? Like, how, how do you know where anything How does anyone is? know anything, Nick? Yeah. Cilia mm. mm. has a nightmare about boomers <laughs> It's bad It's boomers marching through the streets And then like more and more of those worms rising up throughout the city mm. Bad dreams of Galatea But also maybe true mm. So she gets, as She gets a glass of water Yeah And then Nigel is all like What's wrong? Can't sleep And she's like No I was sleeping but now I'm awake I mean technically not alive <laughs> that's, that's you know <laughs> But then gasp A boomer Smashes against the window Oh my god, a boomer. Oh my god, the, the the silky doll is under attack. What? But how? How? It's only like midnight. <laughs> boomers never come out after dark. Maybe it's only dawn and now the boomers can finally put boomer on their occupation for mm-hmm. their passport. Um, so what's the order of things that happen next? So um, I think they all flee downstairs. Yeah, so Nene wakes up, in, still in the computer room. She was slept over a desk. Marky's still at it, typing away. Mm. Everyone just randomly fell asleep. Instead of going to their yeah. rooms or something. And then one by one, everyone filters in and is like, what's going on? Why is that alarm sounding? And it's like, well, it's an alarm. Yep. <laughs> Nene pulls up the, um, the, like, uh... The, the supercomputer... What, what am I... What's the, what's the thing I'm pulling the for blueprint? here? The, um, like, evil genius video game base management software. <laughs> where she can see the names and current status of everyone in the building. Ah, I getcha, I getcha. Wait, hang on. Can you zoom in on that for <laughs> a second? Nigel Kirky and... What? Nigel Kirkland? Ni- His Nig- name is Kirkland, and there's clearly oh, been a Romanization I error see. here. Like, see, Nene Romanovna. <laughs> Yamazaki's or fine, apparently. Oh, that's, that's just the. Yeah. yeah, Stingray's fine. I thought it said Stingray for a sec there. <laughs> Stingray. So, the, yeah, she pulls up the map, the heat map of where boomers are in the building, and the red, is, the red indicating boomers is spreading. Mm. So she locks down the top half of the building. But wait a minute, they're, they're still they're coming, coming in from the roof. Yeah. But they're still breaking through. But all of the security cameras are showing... Like, there's empty nothing ho- there. And I, I couldn't really remember how this happened while we were watching it until, like, the moment before the reveal happened. Yeah. So I was like, oh, 
and you know, obviously Mark is being possessed. Mm. Uh, so I was like, maybe he did that thing where like he looped footage. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the cameras, like the classic, mm. like wait, but he put the videotape in the thing. Yeah, yeah. And kept it but playing. no, um, what happens is. The reason all the cameras and the hallways are empty is because they are coming down the pool on the roof uh, through the aquarium that runs throughout the whole building. Mm. So let's just dissect this for a second. That I've already dissected with you Now we have seen Cilia swim in the pool down past other rooms of the building before. Have we? Yes. Mm. Okay. But I would have assumed, right? And this this is crazy talk here. I would have assumed that each level, or like each couple levels or something... There would be some delineation of different aquariums. Yeah, and the the big tube that they fire from... Because famously the aquarium and the pool exist to mask their railgun for launching mechs. Mm. And the big railgun was like nothing to do with the aquarium whatsoever. It was just inside there and all of the things of the aquariums were like their own levels. Whatever. But apparently the aquarium is the full size of the building. Yep. Which is not like a few stories. It's like well, look, 12 so Celia, you know, owns the whole building. Yeah. Um, she's got living quarters on the roof. Old money. Yep. I mean, the whole city's pretty new. <laughs> That's also true. Also true. <laughs> she's got um, living quarters on the roof and the, mm-hmm. and the pool up there. Yep. Um, ground floor is the Silky Doll. Mm-hmm. Underground is the Secret Boomer workshop and everything, all that. What's every other floor? Well, that's what I'm saying. She's got a lot of space she can devote to aquariums. <laughs> it's a big building and she's one person who lived, up until police recently, lived alone. So, so you're, you're saying that the other, like, eight floors are just aquariums. I don't know what to, I'm not going to interior design all of these floors. I'll, I'll put some things here and there, but mostly I think I'm just going to fill it with fish. Fair, fair. Easy to take care of. And you'll save on flooring costs as well if you just have the aquarium run through from the pool up top. <laughs> it's just water. Water's cheap. Yeah. You know? I've got a butler who can maintain the pH. Exactly. But so that I can swim in it and also all of my exotic fish can survive in it. Oh my god, that's so dumb. But it has to be canon now. And the fish never come up to the surface of the pool. Naturally. Naturally. You don't want to be swimming with the fishes. No. No. There has to be some kind of like... Unless you were the boomers. Because that's what the boomers are doing. They're coming down through the aquarium and then we see them banging on the window of the computer room. Oh no, they'll flood us all. Oh no. But and, then And Marky has got uh, black shark's eyes like Galatea and is like, that's a new concept to me. Huh. What does that mean? And then they say, what? And he says, what? <laughs> oh no. Um, and that's the whole... That's kind of it, really. Yeah. Not a whole lot happened. I mean, they killed that big worm. Used the moto slave. That was cool. They did use the moto slave. Such a shockingly named vehicle. <laughs> um, oh, Leon gets ready to do a big last stand thing when he thinks they're coming in through the, the elevator. He gets out his gun and stands in front of everyone. Oh, yeah. And they were like, why are you doing this? And he's like, my gun may be useless against them, but I have to do something. Yeah, I'm Leon. And Pris is all like, why do I have a crush on you? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like several dozen boomers just standing around the pool up top. Several dozen? Yeah. There's like a hundred of them. That's several dozen. No. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Mm. Hey, Liam. Yeah. What's your highlights? My highlights is the mech uh, bike. It's good Blam, shit. blam, blam. She kicked off some heads. <laughs> it's good shit when you see someone be like, my motorbike is my suit of armor. Yeah. You know you're in for a good time. Mm-hmm. Like every good series has it. Gundam, Power Rangers... Bubblegum Crisis. Yeah, the three. Revolutionary the Girl Trinity. Lieutenant. 
except you become the motorbike. In obviously. the movie, yeah. Yep. Um, can't think of literally any other piece of media. That I, I can't believe no one else reacted when I shared the mind-blowing information that the person who made the music for the duels in Utena hmm. is still making dual music for Utena. Wait, what? There's 13 volumes of the Utena OST now. What are you talking about? What? Hang on, wait, wait, wait. Utena's done, right? Yes. Utena's over. That's right. There's no more Utena. There have make. been some musicals, but... Um... But they're separate to... Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean he's still making so, dual music? The process of the, making the dual choreography and music mm-hmm. for the show was the songs were the songs were pre-written. Okay. And the writers and animators listened to them to inform the vibe of the characters and, I see. and events mm-hmm. uh, for that particular duel. This makes a lot of sense. Um, but eventually, the person did start composing character-specific music mm-hmm. for Retina, and it never stopped. Even now. Yeah. 13 volumes of OST. Yeah. For a show for a that 39 episode show from the 90s. That has ended 20 years ago. If not 30 years. No, probably 20 years ago. What the fuck? Okay, here is from otori.nu, audiology page, uh, which... Um, Love this, some audiology. This is, oh, this is some web ring shit. The music of Revolutionary Girl Utena. Mm. As of September 27, 2020, there's a post um, which starts an entire new Revolutionary Girl Utena album. But why? To get our newest addition to the family, Alchemistic Girl, The Tale of the Rose and the Egg. I'm so confused. This might be a fan thing, I'm not sure actually. Mm. Here, let me find the original post that I found so that I, I know I'm giving the listeners the complete and correct facts. Not the somewhat complete and correct facts. But the complete and correct facts. Okay, I learnt this from the Something Awful Forum's recent um, Let's Rewatch slash Watch Revolutionary Girl Utena book club mm. thing they were doing. As one is to do. Um, and user Lysistrata posted, I am so, so enamoured of the stuff being posted here. I wouldn't normally chime in because I'm an untreatable lurker, mm. but I want to add something that you all might not know. The dual songs were not written for Utena, but they were also not slapped on after the fact. Apparently what the B Papas did was listen to the songs while writing and use certain songs to inspire certain characters, basically vibes-based. The dual songs aren't going to have to have a one-to-one correlation with the characters, but there's a definite connection. Mm-hmm. And user Cavalcade responded, This is true, only up to a point. Caesar, uh, that's S-E-A-Z-A-R, mm-hmm. did start writing songs for Utena eventually and then never stopped. The OST is up to 13 volumes currently. What the fuck? And then someone else responded, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, like, what? <laughs> Why? Why? Like, how is he making money? I guess those Utena fans are rabid. Or a passion project? Yeah. That's crazy. Fucking what? Maybe he just lives on a farm and he's like, look, I've, all my basic needs are met. And I'm a big fan of Utena. J.A. Cesar on Apple Music. We're going down. We're going deep, Nick. Here we go. What's your highlight? So my highlight is probably, (laughs) you know, it's probably just the boys hanging out. Yeah, that was good. Just Nigel being all like, come have a drink. And then Leon being like, yeah, I like you guys. You're sad and lonely, just like me. So just FYI, J.A. Caesar Mm -hmm. is the pseudonym for a Tokyo music composer who's been involved with creating uh, music for various theatre and film projects since the very early 70s. Mm-hmm. His music is a radical mixture of progressive rock, traditional Japanese theatre music, and magma-inspired Zul music. 
Okay. In fact, Caesar's flirtation with Zule long predates the similar, similar Zule influences <laughs> on many later, later Japanese groups like Ruins, Bondage Fruit, and Koenji Hiake. What the fuck is Zule? Hmm, okay. Don't know. But it's magma inspired. <laughs> We're all magma inspired at, at a certain point. Look, that's my favourite Pokemon. Okay, I found his Wikipedia page. Okay. We're getting through to the bottom of this. Yeah, we have to know. What was your low light, Liam? Um, possessed Marky is a little boring at this point. Like, we know what's going on. Just just do something just, with him? Yeah. Yeah. Yours? Hmm. My low light is probably um, a weird one, but, like, the way that we dealt with the big worm, <laughs> it was like there wasn't much going on in that fight. So when we deal with it, I was like, oh, oh I was dead now. Okay, sure. 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 You know, we introduced the Moto Slave as a Gundam, and then it's like, cool, done. Yeah, like, easy peasy. Oh. Yeah, almost too easy peasy. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, okay, I'm not finding a huge amount of information about J.A. Caesar's other work, like his Wikipedia article is a stub and things like that, but oh, he's okay. out there, and he's making Utena duel songs. <laughs> I, wa- I, w- I do wonder mm. if his approach is, you know, if Utena fought Jury again, this is what it might sound like. Mm. Or if he's getting real wild with it and like, this is the song that would play for when Mickey fights Nanami. <laughs> Listen, this is the love song of when Nanami hooks up with, what's his name? Togekiryu. Um, yes. Voiced by the guy who voices Dio. Yes. That'd be fucking weird, but a necessary relationship that must be formed with a black rose. You know what I'm saying? No, the Black Rose is something else. No, but the Black Rose is like, here's your internal trauma sure. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But anytime Mr. Kiryu Man comes in, he creates trauma because he's an Because asshole. he's trying to be Akio. Yeah. Such a Who dick. also creates trauma just by being horrible to everyone. Yeah. What a monster. I gotta rewatch that series for like all the little anthy stuff now that I know what her whole deal is. Mm, yeah. I wonder if like we got we we missed a lot. I can tell just from from thinking back. Yeah, where we were like, hmm, that's weird. Sweet, simple Anthe, we would say. She was neither sweet nor simple. She was in fact the worst. I heard someone someone put it really succinctly in a post in that thread. I think it was mm-hmm. someone said um, one of the things about Utena is that um, one Utena's primary character conflict is that she doesn't really know who she is. Mm. Uh, whereas Anthe knows exactly who she is, but is unable to express it. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So Nick, the Silky Doll is under attack and the remaining population of Tokyo is in dire threat. Galatea's doing machine language shit and Mason's chilling out in the tower watching it all go down. Yeah, it's just normal times. What will happen next time on Bubblegum Crisis Tokyo 2040 in... V episode entitled 21 22 22 out of 26 I think so 28 24 no 26 no, 24 is wrong 20, 26 that's my favorite out of TV 26 show. yeah 22 out of 26 physical graffiti oh nice good name um okay okay the boomers are coming in the swimming pool yep which no boomers in the pool <laughs> which means that they're coming in the aquarium so They've shut down the lower floors, but I assume they can still access the power suits and all that. Or the Hopefully, hard suits, yeah. rather. They're in the lower floors, I think. Yeah, they're in the lower floors already. But how are they going to stop the boomers from getting in via the aquariums? I'm not sure. They might just not. Are they going to have to abandon the silky doll? Mm. Don't forget they've got that truck that they can also launch hard suits from. The Oh, yeah! Like mobile pit or whatever I thought you called. meant Pris's home. And I was oh, like, yeah, that what? too. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, literally five minutes beforehand, we heard Celia saying, I just want to protect the Silky Doll and maintain this base of operations. <laughs> and then it started going under attack. Oh, like, no, my base of operations. Yeah. They um, played us like a goddamn fiddle. <laughs> it's literally... It's literally ground zeroes. Yeah. Marky let them in. Yep. The man, you son of a bitch. He hasn't suffered, not like us. This is Leon talking. Listen, no, I'm the good guy here, okay? I just needed them to see. You monster. Do you understand what you've done? I'm not the bad guy. Marky, you son of a bitch, you've got a link to the UN. Um, you, know, you mean the international organization? Yes. <laughs> um, so I reckon they're going to head down. Maybe they have like a bunker underground as well. I mean, that's kind of the, um... The underground, the silky doll. That's kind of the place where they keep the hard suits. Yeah, but, like, what if there's a more There's, like, a panic a... room down there. Yeah, 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 like, more of a bunker. Mm. Like, they go down, they're like, all right, so I know I told you this was the lowest level. This is where I keep the real hard suits. Yeah, I got a lower, lower level. Uh, let's just say it's the lowest level. And if that one dies, then we're all fucked. Um, but maybe something like that'll happen. Uh, I assume Galatea will... Do some weird shit. It, it sounds like it seems like we're just setting up. I don't really remember how this next bit goes down, mm. but it seems like we're just setting up the same sort of base under siege thing we just did with the AD police tower. Yeah, yeah, it does. But like, then that means they have no more base, which means they're yeah. like, well, we have to fight back because mm -hmm. maybe they're they're doing that thing where they're exhausting all safe places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then going, well, we have no choice but to Press's fight. Press's truck is gone. It's been overrun by clowns. Mm. <laughs> Terrifying. Um, the silky doll will be gone soon. Yep. So then they'll just go, all right, listen, there's only one place that's safe anymore. The Victorian little girl's room in Genham Tower. Yeah, I was going to be like, the space elevator. Mm. Which I don't know if it's still going, but yeah, something like that. For so the Shoham project. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Shoham project. So there'll be something... Do you remember what that is? It's the, the solution to the energy crisis. Yeah, which is? Uh, solar power? Yeah, they're yeah. building a big space umbrella to catch solar energy. Yeah, and then sending that back in batteries or something. Yeah. Mm. Um, however, will they go to space? Mm, that's that's the, the question. question. Yeah. Um, so my, my big guess is just that the Silky Doll's going to get blown up. Maybe not next episode, but the episode after. And then they're going to go fight at Ganem headquarters because they have nowhere to like go anymore. Cool. Yeah. Alright, we'll find out all that and more next time on JoJo's World. Hell yeah. But until then, to, to be, be continued. continued, to be purpose, to uh, many boomers.